uh, be in Philippians chapter 4, is where we're going to start out at, Philippians chapter 4. And so I want to again uh, bring you a message this evening that uh, as we go into this transition week from uh, 2021, the Lord tarries, uh, to 2022, uh, something that uh, we can uh, take as a thought with us, some Bible principles with us as we're uh, looking back and uh, examining uh, last year and then looking forward to a new year. And I want to uh, give you something that will help you be a blessing to us. So Philippians chapter 4, if you find your place, stand with me together as we read the Bible together here. And I'm going to read uh, verses 11 through 13, very famous passage of Scripture here. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says this, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And maybe one of the most famous verses in all the New Testament, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments on this subject. Success comes in a can. Success comes in a can. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for all you've done for us. I pray that you'd bless us now. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts for uh, uh, as we take a few moments and look into your word, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people to, uh, Lord, uh, make sure that we uh, plan. Uh, Lord, as we're going into a new year, and Lord, we're looking forward to good things. And, and Lord, help us to have the right mindset. Bless us, we pray now, and we love Love you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Success comes in a camp. Now, let me say this, folks, all right? And I want you to uh, get this and understand this, is this. God wants us to be successful. Amen? God wants us to be successful. Now, success is not a bad word. By the way, you know what it is? It's a Bible word. Amen? It's a Bible word. But here's the thing. Unlike any other word, we need to define the word the way God defines it. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the, what the world considers success, what God considers success are two different things. Okay? By the way, I'm not interested in uh, doing what the world thinks is right, what the world thinks is popular. Uh, we're not taking public opinions to figure out what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. Okay? As Christians, you know what we need to do? We need to look at what God says about something and see uh, uh, His definition and if we'll define it God's way and live it out, I promise you it's going to be the way it's supposed to. Amen? Now, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Again, uh, another famous passage of Scripture that has that word success in it. Let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there. We're going to be turning to some other passages. But here's what he says. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, should it surprise us whatsoever that success is linked directly to God and His Word? Amen? That shouldn't surprise us whatsoever. In fact, this is kind of one of those verses that we talked about this morning. If we, then God. Alright? I mean, here's what he says. He's talking about the fact that we'll take the Word of God, we'll meditate in it. By the way, what's the, what's the point in that? What's the point in meditating? By the way, you know why? So you'll understand exactly what God wants from you. You'll understand exactly what God expects. You'll understand the principles of the Word of God that we need to be living our life by. And so if we'll get it here, and then we translate it to action, that thou mayest observe to do, amen, to do according to all 
all that is written therein. Then, amen, only then, if we'll do those things, we'll have good success. And so again, I want to give you some things tonight uh, that will uh, be a blessing, help to you. Just five simple truths along this subject of the fact that success comes in a can. All right, number one is this. Success requires a positive attitude. Success requires a positive attitude. Now notice what our text verse says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 is this, I can. Amen? I can. Now, when I was a teacher, uh, there were uh, several things that I would uh, always try to drill into the heads of my students, all right? One of those was my favorite drink, so they'd bring it to me every morning. No, just kidding, all right? Sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't, depending upon whether or not they got detention the day before or not, all right? Uh, but no, there was these different sayings that I had that I would try and drill into them, all right? Several things I used to say. Uh, uh, one of the things that I I used to say, and, and, and probably I said this one more than anything, and here's what it is. Can't is a cuss word. Can't is a cuss word. And sometimes I'd go to their desk, and they said, here's a famous question all the students would say to me. I can't figure this out. And I would look at them, and I would say, what would you say? I can't. I said, quit cussing in my classroom. I remember the first time I said that to one of the kids. They kind of looked around like, oh, no, what, what did I say, right? And I'd say, I said, what's the Bible saying, Philippians 4.13? Right. Say it with me. What's it say? I can do all things through Christ. I said, so exactly. God says you can, so don't you say you can't. And quit cussing in my classroom. And I would say that to them. And you know what? I was trying to build within them a mentality of, you know what? With God's help, I can. Now, by the way, what's interesting about who the, the, the author who wrote this, okay? And of course, we know who wrote it. It's the Apostle Paul. And you know what you find out as you look at Paul's life, as you go through uh, the epistles and the things that Paul wrote? Paul did not just have a positive attitude when everything was going well. Okay, now here's the thing, folks. You know what? It's easy to have a positive attitude when everything's on easy street, going your way, doing your thing. And you know what? It's easy sailing. By the way, big deal. Anybody can have a positive attitude then. Okay, it was easy to have a positive attitude this week when I got to eat some of my favorite food and, and uh, got some gifts and was kicking back in my chair, enjoying the family, enjoying the holidays. Hey, that was easy to have a positive attitude. But guess what? Not reality. Not reality. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. And this week, we found this out to be true as we entered into 2021 and previous years. There's going to be some things this year that we're going to encounter that's not going to be what we consider positive. It's not going to be things maybe we would have chosen to have to uh, 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 go through and figure out. And if you only have a positive attitude when things are going right, truth be told, you know what? You're not going to be that positive very much. So the Apostle Paul had it figured out, and we see that when it says there in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. He says, listen, I know what both sides are like, okay? I know how to uh, uh, not have much. I know how to have stuff. He says this, uh, and, and everywhere in all things, both to be, how about this, full, we like that one, don't we? But how about this one, and hungry? We don't like that one, okay? But Paul said, listen, uh, I know... That, uh, uh, that uh, through all of these things, and verse 11 says he was content through all of these things. And then the great uh, uh, verse in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So what he was saying is this, you know what? 
I can through all aspects of whatever God wants me to go through. You know what that's called? A positive attitude. Now, did you see Did you see who wrote that song that we just sang? Anybody know the last song we just sang, Blessed Assurance? Who was the author of that song? There you go, Fanny Crosby. That's correct. What a great illustration of someone who had the right attitude. Okay? I mean, in fact, Fanny Crosby, I think I've told you this before, you know this, is that she wrote so many poems and songs that she didn't want people to think that she was, you know, filled all the books with her stuff. So she started writing by a pen name. Because she, God used her to write so many things. Now, what do you know about Fanny Crosby? Oh, I bet Fanny Crosby had it on the easy street. I bet Fanny Crosby li- li- lived a life of luxury. Li- you know, uh, she just, everything was perfect for her. Okay, is that the case about Fanny Crosby? In fact, when she was eight years old, here's a poem she wrote. By the way, you know what, parents? You ought to uh, get a copy of this poem, and uh, you ought to uh, have your kids memorize this poem. And when they start whining and complaining because things aren't going their way, you ought to have them quote this poem. Here's what it is. All right, here's what she said. By the way, eight years old, all right, right after not too long. Of course, she went blind younger than that. But as an eight-year-old girl, here's what she penned. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I'm resolved that in this world, contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep inside because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Now where's that attitude at? Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. Listen, if you are only going to have a positive attitude when things are going your way, truth be told, you're going to be a a pretty miserable person to be around. Okay, I'm going to tell you, not everything's always going to go our way. And by the way, Jesus promised us that as Christians, we're going to face turmoil. We're going to face trouble. We're going to face the, the afflictions and sorrows of this life. And by the way, you know what? Uh, why not? I mean, come on, folks. This isn't where we're living at forever. Okay? This is just to get us ready for there. I mean, come on. You know how much more we're going to enjoy it and be thankful for it? If for just that the Bible talks about for this uh, uh, the, the, the short time to when, when we're through manifold temptations, Amen. I mean, just, just for a short time when we're when we're down here, it's just going to make us love heaven more, enjoy heaven more if we'll handle it the right way, Amen. So success, first of all, number one, requires a positive attitude. I can. Number two, success requires planned action. Planned action. Now notice what word comes after the two words, I can. Let's say it with me. You ready? I can what? There you go. Let's say it again. I can what? Do. I can do. Now you know what that's called? Planned action. Let me tell you why I'm taking today and preaching these messages to you in preparation for a new year. Because as Christians, we need to be planning on some things. Amen. All right, by the way, you know what? Uh, you know what you got to learn to do? You've got to learn to, here's the saying, you need to w- learn to uh, plan your work and then work your plan. Okay? Plan your work and work your plan. Listen, if you're going to accomplish anything, you got to do it on purpose. Amen? Purpose. And so it requires planned action. Let me tell you, folks, what are arch enemies. All right? God and the devil. Amen? Arch enemies. Let me tell you what else. Slothfulness and success are arch enemies. 
slothfulness and success. By the way, I love God's terminology. Amen? I love that. I like what God says. The book of Proverbs, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 4. Listen to this. The soul of the sluggard. Man, I love God's terminology. Amen? Uh, no, uh, not the soul of the economically depressed. And all these other stupid politically correct terms that our society is trying to push over on people. No. You know what God calls someone who's lazy? A sluggard. Okay, and I'm not talking about people who can't. I'm talking about people who won't. Amen? The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Let me just say this, folks. We must, as Christians, learn to be hard workers. Amen? And by the way, I'm thankful and privileged to pastor a church uh, filled with hardworking people. Amen? I mean that, folks. And, and we're blessed here, and we're thankful for that here. And by the way, you know what, folks, we must do as parents? We must teach that, ingrain that into our children. It doesn't come natural. You know what comes natural? Laziness. That's natural. By the way, you don't have to teach anybody how to be lazy. We come out of the womb with that, right? I mean, you know, babies, and you know, they'll sit there and whine and cry and pick them up, and they're just fine, right? You know, they want attention. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, it's just uh, who they are and what they do, amen? And so, no, it requires uh, uh, diligence. And by the way, that's why we're taking the time that I'm doing on, on, on Sunday school and trying to teach uh, character lessons to your children, trying to teach them character traits, by the way, folks, listen to me. You know what, though? Here's the thing. I can go into that classroom and pour my heart out, and I do. But if, it, if you don't come alongside and do most of it, what I say in there isn't going to matter a whole lot. I'm just being honest with you. Have you ever seen that illustration? And, and, and I, one of these times, I might actually do it and show it to you. But they, it, it's, it's a canister, and I believe it represents a year of time and every, uh, it's filled with ping pong balls. Anybody ever seen this before? And what it does, every ping pong ball represents an hour of life in a year. Now, this is huge. I mean, it's this huge canister, and it shows you how many hours in a year that you as a parent have with your children. And then it shows to the side a, uh, a canister of hours in a year that if you bring your children to church faithfully, how many hours a year the church has with your children. And guess what? Hardly no comparison whatsoever. Because what God designed in such a way as parents, we are the primary examples and teachers to our children. Let me tell you what the church does. The church ought to come alongside and reinforce what's going on at home, ought to set the direction for what's going on at home. But as parents, it's our job to instill those things within our children. And truth be told, if your children don't have character, you know largely a lot of it's your fault as a parent. It's true. Okay, and I understand at a certain point in time, your children have to choose. Your children have to make a, a decision. But guess what? If they're living in my house, guess who's choosing for them? If I'm paying the mortgage, guess who's making the decision for them? They're eating my food and I'm paying the bills. They're, listen, folks, this idea, well, my kids just don't want to. Again, what did I say this morning? Who cares what they do or don't want to do? Now, I'm not saying as parents... We are, you know, uh, not treating our children properly. But as a parent, I'm not interested in being my child's friend. I'm interested in teaching them character. And then, listen, if you teach them character, and later on in life, guess what? If they have character, then they'll want to be your friend. Okay? But the time for friendship isn't now when you're raising them. Amen? Listen, instill character within them. I can do. Slothfulness and success are enemies. There was an elementary boy who found himself standing at a chalkboard at the end of the school day. 
He was there because he once, because once again, uh, he was lazy. He showed up to school not having his homework completed. And if you've ever taught, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen, Miss Mary Lou. Oh, she's not in here tonight. All right. <laughs> All right. He was required by his teacher to write this sentence. I am an underachiever 100 times. Now, obviously, this didn't happen in our day and age because the teacher would have got the pantsuit off of her, right? Okay. After he completed the punishment, he wrote one more sentence on the chalkboard. I am not an underachiever. I just happen to be cursed with a teacher who's an overexpector, right? <laughs> now, listen to me. You know what, young people? If you have parents, teachers, and, and leaders that are overexpectors, you know what you are? Blessed. Blessed. You're blessed. Amen? And although it may irritate you now, later in life you'll look back and realize it was those people who helped mold you into a success. How about this name? All right? And sad to say there's not a whole lot of these around anymore. But J.C. Penney. Anyone ever read the story, the biography of J.C. Penney? J.C. Penney was born in 1875, the seventh of 12 children. His father was a Baptist preacher and a farmer. How many knew that? All right. J.C. grew up working hard, and the work ethic his father instilled motivated him later on in the business world as he built his empire of retail stores. He's credited with this quote. Man, this is good. If I could wrap up all my father's counsel into, in, into one sentence, this is what it would be. Get busy, son. Amen. All right. What, what, a, what a wonderful, uh, good statement there. So you know what that means, folks, is this. Back to the Scripture here. God commands us as Christians to be doers. God has no patience with laziness. And you know what? We should have no patience with laziness in our own life. By the way, if you have an entitlement mentality, you need to lose that. Amen? That is a wicked, sinful thing. Again, we're living in a world where uh, everybody, you know, uh, their, their, their hands are out with this attitude. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. We're living in that kind of world, folks, but that is not the way we ought to be as Christians, and that ought, should not what we be teaching our children. All right, get this in your head. Nobody owes you a living. Amen? There's a Bible principle that says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And again, folks, I understand. I'm not talking about people who can. I'm talking about people who won't. People who won't. So if you're going to be successful, number one, it requires the positive attitude of I can't. Number two, it requires planned action of do. Number three, it requires righteous discernment. Righteous discernment. Again, notice what the Bible says. I can do all things. Now ask yourself this question. Does that mean that God gives me a blank check that I can do anything I want? By the way, ask yourself this. Are there things that I shouldn't do? By the way, you know what the answer to that is? Yes. Sure there is. Life's full of choices, is it not? Now, how do we decide if what we're doing would be uh, what God would have for us to do? Take your Bibles. You shouldn't be too far from there. I'm going to have you turn to a couple passages here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There is what I call uh, these uh, uh, whatsoever principles that should guide what we do. Whatsoever principles. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Three times in the New Testament you see... Uh, the, the, this, this, um, this principle uh, given in three different places. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 is the first one. All right, remember, uh, success requires righteous discernment. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Amen? Let's read that again. Whether, uh, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 
All right, go to Colossians chapter 3. Again, just a a couple pages over there, Colossians chapter 3. And uh, these two verses are in the same same chapter here, verse 17, verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Notice what he says here. Again, almost the same thing. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then Colossians 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. All right, now sometimes you'll have people say, okay, well, does the Bible say thou shalt not, and they'll name something, okay? Now, folks, listen to me, all right? Uh, You know, God gives us some direct commands in the Scripture about certain things. Of course He does, all right? Uh, But there's also then principles in the Scripture that guide us in the decisions that maybe there's not a specific verse that says thou shalt not or thou shalt uh, or type verses, okay? And you know what those are? Those are the Bible principles. And truth be told, uh, God knew that there would be people out there that look for the biblical loopholes. You ever met somebody like that? They're always looking for the Bible loophole about trying to justify some kind of behavior in their life. God knew what man would do. So God gave us three times in the Scripture the whatsoever verses. Okay? So you know what? If you're looking through the Scripture and, you know, you can't find a specific verse that says, Thou shalt not this or thou shalt uh, uh, that, then you know what? You go to the whatsoever verses. And there's three of them just in case you thought maybe God didn't know what He was talking about in one of them. Okay? Here you go. What are they? Whether there, uh, therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. So three specific things you see here. First of all, is what I'm about to do going to bring glory to God? That's an easy question. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. As a Christian, if you're really seeking a right answer, and you ask yourself that with that Bible principle, the Holy Spirit will tell you. Yes, He will. Amen? By the way, don't think the Holy Spirit's shy in our life because He's not. Holy Spirit's not afraid of you. He ain't afraid of me. Amen? And if we're about to do something that, 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 that is not due to the glory of God, oh yeah, Holy Spirit will start uh, uh, convicting us about that. Amen? Or, no, number two, is it, can it be done in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you literally say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to do this? Okay? And then, can you do it heartily as to the Lord? Or could you do it with all your might uh, as you're doing it directly to the Lord? Now, those are some whatsoever uh, verses there. So if you're considering doing something to the glory of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, while giving thanks, and heartily, then you know what? It's the right thing to do. Amen? And that's how you can have righteous discernment about uh, making sure that when uh, you can do all things, if it follows those Bible principles, amen? And then if not, don't do it. Yes, the Bible's really that simple, amen? Christian living really is that simple, okay? And by the way, you start uh, examining our behavior to what the Bible teaches, I'm going to tell you, you'll find out real quick. You won't probably have to wonder what it is you ought to be doing, amen? And so success requires righteous discernment. Number four, success requires Christ-reliance. Okay, so what's the verse say? I can do all things. What's the next two words, church? Through Christ. Let's try that again. You ready? I can do all things what? Through Christ. You know what that's called? Christ reliance. What's that mean? Here's what it means. Although I need a positive attitude, a good work ethic, and the discernment to choose my activities in a God-pleasing manner, if I try to succeed in my own strength and my own wisdom, 
I'm going to fail. Amen? I'm going to fail. You know what that means, folks, is this. We as Christians need the wisdom of Christ if we're going to be a success in life. We need God's help. We need God's strength. We need God's wisdom. By the way, we can't have it. Amen? The Bible says in the book of James, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Let me tell you, God is just waiting and willing to give us His wisdom if we'll ask for it. And by the way, if we'll seek for it through His Word. Amen? God will give us that. The Bible says this in Psalms 127, verse 1. Now I love this verse. Except the Lord build the house... They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know what that's telling us, folks? Is that it doesn't matter, humanly speaking, you can do all there is to do. But if you're not doing it through the help of God and the strength of God, you know what? It's not going to be successful. Alright? Take your Bibles. Let's go to John chapter 15 for a minute. And again, we see this emphasized in some teachings of Jesus here. John chapter 15. The whole chapter is talking about uh, our relationship with God and what we ought to be doing as Christians, and that is producing fruit. All right? We ought to be reproducing ourselves in the lives of others. I don't have time for sake of time. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Let me just read the first five verses to you here, and you'll kind of see the process God goes through in our lives uh, to get us to where we can be fruit-producing Christians. Notice what he says in verse 1, John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me. Okay, so here we go. Right off the bat, we see what it is. Amen. We see that Jesus is the vine. His Father is the husbandman. Every branch. Guess what we are? We're the branches. You ever, you ever realize God considered you a branch? Right? Well, this morning, we see where God considers a worm. Amen. All right? By the way, you read the Bible, it'll keep you humble. Okay? I'm a branch. That's what we are. We're branches. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You know what that's telling us here, folks? Is that God's interest in our life is for us to be bearing fruit. That's what he says. There ought to be fruits in our lives that we're bearing. And I believe that's referring to, of course, uh, we could uh, chase that uh, uh, phrase, fruit, through the Scripture, through the New Testament. Uh, one of those places we see that is in Galatians, where we ought to be producing the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And then we could also chase that to the context of this chapter and realize we ought to be producing the fruit of other people in our lives. Amen? We ought to be reproducing ourselves as Christians in others. We ought to be influencing other people. We ought to be leading people to Christ and teaching them about the ways of Christ. All right? So that's the goal is to bring uh, fruit. Verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Hey, that goes right back to what I preached on this morning, is it not? Being clean before God. What cleans us? His word. His word cleans us. That's why as a Christian, you ought to spend time in the word of God every day because the word of God is a cleaning agent. Amen? It'll cleanse us. And the reason it cleanses us because it shows us how dirty we truly are. At the time we start thinking we're all this and all that, just read the Bible. God will remind us we're worms. Amen? Right? Oh, wretched man that I am. Now again, God doesn't want us to you know, just stay low and, and, and uh, as far as you know, this false humility and oh God, I'm worthless, I'm nothing. Oh no. But God wants us to realize what we truly are. Why? So He can make us into what He wants for us to be. Amen? And the problem is we can never do that if we're too full of ourselves. So we're, we're bearing fruit, we're clean. Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now, come on, that makes sense. All right, he's talking about a vine here, but we can apply this principle to any tree. All right, if you want an apple tree to produce apples, you go cut the branch off the tree, ain't no apples going to be produced on that branch. Ain't no, not going to happen. The only way a branch can produce the fruit is if it's attached to the tree itself, right? And that makes sense, does it not? Well, here's what he says in verse 5. Here's where he ties it all down. I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth uh, much fruit. And then here's the statement that I'm trying to get us to understand is this. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now by that, here's what he's talking here. Again, you've got to read and understand Scripture in context. He's talking about producing fruit as a Christian. He's talking about doing a spiritual work that's going to last for eternity. He's not talking about walking across the floor. Okay, Lost people can do that kind of stuff. He's not talking about, by the way, you know what, you know what most people are doing? Going through the motions. Not talking about that. We're talking about living a life that produces fruit. Amen? That we as Christians can be what He wants for us to be, accomplish things that are going to matter for eternity, doing a spiritual work. That's what He's talking about here. And here's what He says, alright? You cannot do a spiritual work without Me. You can't do it. Now, I've used this illustration before, but it's a perfect illustration. Right before I, we came in tonight, before you got here, I took the vacuum out and I was vacuuming up some areas. Now, how good, think about this for a minute, what, what, how good would it have been if I, I mean, you know what, I saw the dirt, I started pushing that vacuum across the floor, I started, uh, uh, that's why I'm not wearing my suit coat, I broke out of sweat vacuuming, right? No, I was uh, vacuuming the floor and trying to pick up all the dirt, I was just pushing that thing and, and making sure I ran it over all the dirt, but you know what, it did no good because it wasn't plugged in. Big deal. I can push it. I can wake her up a sweat doing it. But if it's not plugged into power source, it's doing no good. Let me tell you what we all as Christians got to do. We got to plug into our power source. Amen? And you know what that power source is? It's Jesus Christ. Being reliant upon Him. And if you're going to be successful, you must understand, it's going to take reliance upon Christ. Now how do we do that? What's that mean, reliance upon Christ? Let me tell you, the number one way you can show God you're relying upon Him is prayer. Prayer. Let me tell you what prayer is. It's a declaration of our dependency upon God. That's what prayer is. And that's why as Christians, uh, we don't pray very much. Because truth be told, Satan knows the power of prayer. And because of that, he works overtime, our flesh works overtime, everything works overtime to keep us from praying. Because prayer... It's our way to plug into the power source. It's letting God know, God, we need you. So think about this. If prayer is a declaration of our dependency upon God, what is prayerlessness? It's our declaration of independency from God. I mean, folks, come on. How arrogant are we to think we as Christians can go and live and go out in this wicked world and go where we got to go and do what we got to do without God's help? I mean, I don't think any of us would probably ever get out of bed and say, God, I don't need you today. Leave me alone. We may not say that directly, but we're saying it indirectly when we get up every morning and go out in the world and do what we do without spending time with God. That's what we're saying to God. God, I don't need you today. Lord, I got this. I'm going to tell you, folks, you know what? We can't do it without Him. Amen? 
So that's why it's important that we bathe everything we do in prayer. By the way, that's why we pray several times uh, publicly and then we have our, uh, our prayer request time and other times. I mean, folks, listen, we're going to make prayer everything we, uh, a part of everything we do around here. By the way, we ought to, amen? Because we can't do it without Him. So success requires a Christ reliance. I can do all things through Christ. And then last of all, number five, success, success strengthens and prepares us for future successes. Now don't miss this. Because a lot of times people skip right over this part. Notice what he says here. I can do all things through Christ. Now notice the wording here. By the way, folks, that's why every word is given. Every jot, every tittle. It's it's right where God wants it to be. It's no mistake. Notice, which strengtheneth me. Now notice that verse does not say, even though uh, it's not a wrong principle, it doesn't say, who strengthens me. Okay, it says, which strengthens me. So by the context, we understand, notice here, we can't succeed without Christ. We already know that. But remember, success comes from becoming Christ-reliant, but the closing phrase says, which strengtheneth me. So what's that teaching us? What's the big deal about one word change? Well, I'll tell you what it means is this. It's because success, it's teaching us that success begats success. Amen? What, what do I mean by that? Okay? So if you follow the Philippians 4.13 formula, you know what you're going to do? You're going to find out you're going to start succeeding. And by the way, when you start succeeding, you know what that's going to do? It's going to strengthen you to succeed again. I can do all things through Christ. That in itself is what gives us strength. Amen? It strengthens us for future successes. I mean, come on, folks, listen. When you are successful one time, doesn't it whet your appetite to be successful again? That's what's so amazing about loving God and serving God and seeing God bless uh, when you do a work for Him. Because you know what you say? Wow, look, it actually works. The Bible actually knows what it's talking about. When I obey it, God blesses. When I do it God's way, I'm successful. You know what? I want to do that again. Absolutely, folks. Because success begets success. So yes, success comes in a can, but listen to me, empty the whole can. Amen? you got to do it all. If you find, if you in it, you know what you're going to find in that, in that can? You're going to find a positive attitude, a determined work ethic, a biblical discernment of activity, and a Christ reliance. So let me tell you that. You follow that success, uh, you follow that formula, you'll taste success. By the way, it's important you follow the formula to a T. How many of y'all have ever, uh, you ladies, or maybe some of you men, I don't know, uh, you make something, or you attempt to make something, I should say, but one ingredient gets changed. Okay, have you ever done that? Uh, I think one time, I forget who it was, some, maybe it was one of my daughters, uh, uh, switched the salt with the sugar, all right, in the cookies. Maybe that was, I don't know, it wasn't them, somebody, I heard that story, and uh, I mean, everything was perfect. I mean, those things, you know, look good, but let me tell you something, you pop them in your mouth, ooh, something's wrong. You know why? Because one thing didn't get followed properly. I mean, folks, sometimes it's the smallest of things, right? You ladies that have your fine-tuned recipes down, I mean, it's everything's got to be just right in order for it to turn out the way you want it to. And you know what, folks? That makes sense with those types of things, but even more sense does it make with the things of the scripture. Uh, of the scripture. So listen to me. Follow the formula. You'll taste success. And you know what will happen when you taste success? I bet you'll like it enough to want a second helping. Amen? 
By the way, again, what's God done here the last year? He's done some successful things. What's God done here in the last five years? We've tasted some success. But you know what that's done? Just whet my appetite for some more. Amen? Again, I'm thankful for the past victories, but I'm not living in the past, folks. We're going forward. We have a future. There's more things to do for God. Okay? There's still, I mean, come on, folks. Not everyone in Gibson County is saved. Right? We still got a job to do, do we not? There's still a lot of hurting people out there that need what God's done in our life. He wants to do in their life, but He's got to have a vessel through which He can work. By the way, you know who that is? It's us. Amen? It's us. And so as we go into 2022, let's keep this, this, this formula in mind, the fact that success comes in a can. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.